morning. Thank you, Gethin. Very moving. Follow that. <laughs> the reading is taken from John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come to come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John, very much indeed. Uh, we are continuing to look through various promises of Jesus in these uncertain days where there's so much change around an uncertainty. We're focusing on the promises of Jesus, the times where he says he will do something. And in today's passage, there are three promises. He promises that whoever comes to him will never go hungry. That's verse 35. He says that whoever comes to him, he will never drive away. That's verse 37. And he says that he will raise us up on the last day. There's a promise that lasts beyond death in verse 40. Uh, now, I've just been away on a week's holiday and the last thing I did before I went away, uh, knowing I was preaching today, was just look in my back catalogue. And I saw I'd preached on this about eight years ago. I thought, marvellous. When I get back from holiday, that will be a real help. Uh, and I printed it off ready for when I got back and just glanced through it. And I thought, oh, that's so thin. I'm going to have to do a lot of work when I get back. Uh, but by one of those wonderful ways God works, in three of the books I was reading, God spoke to me about these three different promises. So the problem I have is the reverse one this morning. Instead of not really having a full sermon, I've got kind of three sermons. So let's pray that the Lord works through me and we get about the right balance uh, in these promises. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for these promises last week that you will be with us always. Today, these three promises we're looking at. Send your spirit. Help me as I preach. Help us as we listen. And write these truths deep in our heart. Lift our eyes, we pray, above uh, all the things that are going on around us day by day to you and your certain truth. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. So here's the first promise, John 6, verse 35. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. They're thinking about the food that we need physically. And he makes this extraordinary promise. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, we have lots of physical needs. We need to eat food, we need to drink water, we need to sleep, we need to exercise. But we have lots of inner hungers and thirsts as well. The psychologists tell us what they all are. Freud told us we were all hungry for love. That's true. Uh, Jung, that we're hungry for security. That's true. Adler, that we're hungry for significance. Different people that we need uh, hunger for dealing with guilt. Uh, we are hungry for meaning and purpose. 
Mick Jagger told us that he couldn't get no satisfaction in the 60s. Bono in the 80s told us that he still hadn't found what he's looking for. But there are all these different hungers and thirsts, and you will have them. Uh, and with all the things going on around today, where there's so much uncertainty and pressure, they tend to rise to the surface a bit more. Uh, they come in some very obvious times, when you're facing loss, particularly in bereavement, or loss of health, or loss of job. Those sort of inner needs come right to the surface. But they also come in times of success. I'll never forget what Johnny Wilkinson said the day after England had won the Rugby World Cup. Uh, he said that that day after winning was the worst day in his life. It built up for everything. They'd got it. And then the next day, so empty. Uh, and the truth is that God has made us with inner hungers for him. And nothing else can satisfy them. Augustine put it brilliantly all those years ago. God, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Now, there's loads of places throughout the Bible where those hungers are described, most often in the Psalms. For example, Psalm 42 and verse 1. Uh, As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, O God. We have a deep inner need for God, just as if we're thirsty on a hot day. Or Psalm 63 and verse 1. Uh, you, God, are my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. And Jesus says to you today, come to me and I will satisfy your hungers and your thirsts. Uh, one of the books that I took away with me on holiday, these were mostly to sort of fill up, enjoy longer, quiet times, just chapters in books. I read a lot of Geoffrey Archer novels as well and walked the, the beach uh, and walked the coast path, which was wonderful. But just a chance to feed for longer, I took this book away with me by Nancy Guthrie, where the title is God Does His Best Work With Empty. Uh, I'd seen that about two weeks before my holiday. I was feeling tired. I was feeling exhausted. I was feeling empty. And I thought, do I need to read the book or do I just need to meditate on the title? But I took the book. Uh, and there are chapters in this book that speak about God filling us with himself and he allows these hungers to come to the surface to drive us to him he wants to give us the best which is to give us him and if we're satisfied with everything else then we miss out on the best so we all have these hungers and thirsts and they're meant to lead us to Jesus so he can fill us with himself and if you know you're empty or in need then Come to God and he will fill you. It's if you don't know you're empty and you're looking, looking the wrong place that you won't receive. So there's the first promise. And we could spend longer on that, but I commend that book to you. God does his best work uh, on empty. Here's the second promise in verse 37 of our passage. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. It's not just that Jesus promises to meet our deepest inner longings, but he promises to keep us there. It's not that we come to him and then he sends us away. He will never drive us away. Another book I took with me to read chapter by chapter, and I'm kind of halfway through at the moment, is a wonderful book by Dale Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. And the title of the book is picked up from how Jesus described himself in that wonderful promise in Matthew 11 from verse 28 to 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle 
and humble in heart, or gentle and lowly, you could translate that, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, we're going to look at that promise in a few weeks' time. But this is the only place in the gospel where Jesus describes himself in his heart. He's gentle and humble. And he welcomes us to him and he will never drive us away. It's a wonderful book and I commend it to you uh, if you want to fill out your meditating on scripture each day uh, by what others have written as well. Uh, A chapter a day is what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, And in that book is a chapter on this promise of John John 6, 37, that those who come to me I will never drive away. And the chapter is based on something that John Bunyan wrote. John Bunyan famously, uh, one of the Puritan writers in the 17th century who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, one of the top 10 selling books of all time, uh, only a little bit behind the Bible and uh, and others. Uh, John Bunyan, together with lots of other Puritan writers, wrote loads of books. And classically what they do is write a book with a very long title based on one verse of scripture and milk that verse for all it was worth. And John Bunyan wrote a book I hadn't come across before called Come and Welcome to Jesus, based on this verse, where Jesus says, all the Father gives me will come to me, and those who come to me I will never drive away. And he makes the point that this is the Father's work. Uh, The Father draws people to Jesus. That is the promise in verse 37. Uh, A little later, uh, there it is, all the Father gives me. This isn't Jesus just drawing people to himself and then trying to persuade a reluctant Father to accept us. But the Father draws us to Jesus. Uh, And Jesus makes the same point a little later in the chapter, in verse 44 of chapter 6. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And then again in verse 65, he says, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Uh, And sometimes we get a warped sense that a loving Jesus is trying to sort of placate an angry father to to accept us. That is not the truth. Jesus says the father is involved in drawing people to Jesus. Jesus draws us to the father. Uh, All the members of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit together love us and want to welcome us in. And Jesus says he will never drive us away. And there's a great part in Bunyan's book which is picked up in this book by Dale Auckland that I was reading, where he addresses our fears that God doesn't really want us. He may want everybody else, but deep down there's a nagging doubt that if I come to Jesus, is he reluctant to receive me? Uh, Does he really want me? And John Bunyan has this wonderful meditation on verse 37 that he will never drive us away. And the, the negative is repeated. He will never, no, never drive us away in the original. Uh, he says, but, but I'm a great sinner. Jesus says, I will never drive you away. But I'm a backsliding sinner. Jesus says, I will never drive you away. But I've sinned against your mercy. Jesus says, I will never drive you away. But I've messed up so badly. Jesus says, I know. And I will never drive you away. We say, but if you knew what I was really like, Jesus says, I do know what you're really like and I will never drive you away. And I found just meditating on this so wonderful. Jesus is humble and gentle. He welcomes us to him. He wants to satisfy our thirsts, our hungers and for us to stay with him. He will never drive us away. Now, not everybody comes to Jesus. This turned out to be one of Jesus' less successful sermons. 
uh, at the end of the sermon, verse 66, uh, we read that from that point, not many people went round with him anymore. Uh, because he, when he says come to him, it's fairly uncompromising about we have to leave various things behind. But there is a wonderful promise to those who come to him that John records at the beginning of the gospel, John 1, 11 and 12. Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. So to those of you who have come to Jesus, he gives you the right to be children of God. He will never drive you away. And to those of you who are exploring this, Jesus says, come to me. I can satisfy your inner hungers and thirsts and I will never drive you away. I remember as a student hearing a talk about this, that we are very secure. Imagine this bit of paper is me and the book is Jesus. We are in Christ and Christ is in God and we're very secure. No one can snatch us out of his hand. He will never drive us away. He loves us. And this goes on for all eternity, which brings me to the third promise uh, in our passage, John 6, verse 40. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This is a promise that lasts for all eternity. It goes on beyond death. Now, eternal life is a quality of life. It starts now, but then it lasts forever. It's the life of the age to come. And it gets better and better. God is preparing a new heaven and a new earth for those who love him. Uh, that is a wonderful thing to look forward to. We are made for eternity. God's put eternity in our hearts. And that's why we never quite get the hang of time. We always feel it's against us. It's either going too quickly or too slowly. We're never quite comfortable with it because we're made for eternity. But we live in a society that has lost sight of eternity. Our society lives for now. And now at the moment is pretty awful with COVID-19. One of the things I'm praying for our nation is that it leads us back to God, who's the, the only one who can truly satisfy our hungers and thirsts. Uh, what our medics are doing is amazing and our scientists, and we praise God for all healing in this life. But we know that ultimately all of us are going to die. Did you hear what one of the MPs said this week? Charles Walker made this comment, commenting on the government's restrictions. He said, it does seem that the government, for the best of reasons, but mistaken reasons, is trying to abolish death. You can't abolish death. Now, the best reasons, we want everybody to be well, obviously. But we are in this world and one day we will all die. And Jesus gets us to look beyond that, that he will raise us up on the last day. So these three promises, he says, come to me with your deepest longings, your hungers and thirsts, and I will satisfy them, but only if you come to me. He says, if you come to me, I will never drive you out. Like last week, I will be with you always. And then verse 40, uh, you're made for eternity and I will raise you up on the last day beyond death. Uh, a third book I was reading and dipping into was Pete Gregg's wonderful, wonderful book, God on Mute. This is a brilliant book engaging the silence of God when you come to him in your suffering and prayers and you feel there's no answer. Uh, Justin Welby's described it as a modern classic, uh, and it's a new edition. I first read this a number of years ago, and it's been revised and came out just recently. And Pete Gregg takes us through that first Easter, Maundy Thursday, 
when Jesus cries in the garden, God, take this cup from me. Yet yeah, not your will, but my, but, uh, not my will, but yours be done. Good Friday, when Jesus cries out, God, why have you forsaken me? Holy Saturday, when everything is silent. And I'd read all those chapters and they'd been so helpful in the midst of all the crisis that we're facing. And then Pete Gregg comes to Easter Day and the focus on the resurrection now and for all eternity. And he uses an illustration, Gaudi's amazing basilica in Barcelona. I don't know if you've ever been there. I went there 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, we, weren't, uh, we couldn't get in at the time. We just stood and looked at the outside. Uh, the Basilica de la Sagrada Familia, forgive my Spanish, the Church of the Holy Family. Uh, Gaudi started this back in the 1880s and was working on, working on it when he died some 40 years later. They'd, he'd kind of just about finished the first facade, which is the facade of Jesus' nativity, his birth and his life. And since then, work's been going on on the second facade, which is just about finished or finishing, uh, which is to do with the passion, Jesus' death for us. And there's a third facade that's uh, where there seems to be a chance that this might be finished this decade, so we may get to see the finished thing if you go to Barcelona in 10 years' time, uh, which focuses on the resurrection and glory. Uh, Gaudi had given his life to something that would outlast him, but points to all eternity. Uh, and as I was meditating on that, I was just thinking about other things that point us to the fact that we're built for eternity. Uh, and one of my favourite things comes at the end of The Lord of the Rings. I've used this before, but uh, when Frodo and Sam have finally destroyed the ring and with it the power of evil and the Dark Lord, they've just about died themselves in the process. They've been rescued. They are rehabilitated uh, in a midst of love. And then Sam discovers that Gandalf, the wizard who he thought was dead, is actually alive. And Sam can't put it into words. I've got them here for you. Sam lay back and stared with open mouth and for a moment between bewilderment and joy he couldn't answer. At last he gasped, Gandalf, but I thought you were dead. But I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to become untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he hadn't heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment, for days upon days without count. It fell upon his ears like the echo of all the joys he had ever known. But he himself burst into tears. And then as a sweet rain will pass down a wind of spring and the sun will shine out the clearer, his tears ceased and his laughter welled up. And laughing, he sprang from his bed. How do I feel, he cried. Well, I don't know how to say it. I feel like spring after winter, like sun on leaves, like trumpets and harps and all the songs I've ever heard. And I just love that. Is everything sad going to become untrue? Yes, when Jesus returns and all is made new. And he says to you, as you come to him, I will raise you up on the last day. This promise is for all eternity. So he invites us today to come to him. Come to me, he says, and I will satisfy your deepest hungers and longings. Come to me, he says, and I will never drive you away. Come to me, he says, and I will raise you up on the last day. 
So we're going to come to him in prayer now. Would you stand? And the band will come back ready to lead us in our last song. Uh, and just in a moment of stillness, if you're at home, perhaps a, a word to the children, as Lissy did last week, if you can be really quiet and just allow the adults or the older ones in the room with you to just pray for a minute or two to come to Jesus, you may want to come to him yourself. We pray, Lord, here we are. We come to you this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are gentle and humble and you invite us to come. We thank you that you welcome us and you promise never to drive us away. We thank you that you are the bread of life who satisfies our deepest hungers. Just in a moment, in the stillness, acknowledge before God those deep hungers and thirsts that you have, the things you're struggling with. Lord, you know all about us. You know our weaknesses, you know our failures, you know our anxieties, you know our hopes, you know our fears, you know our dreams. And we come to you as we are and pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and lift our eyes to look up to you and forward to that great day when you will return and everything sad will become untrue, that everything will be made new and you will raise us up on that last day. We praise you that nothing can separate us from your love. Fill us with this deep confidence afresh, we pray. And may we live as those who believe what we say and sing as we go about our lives this week, at home, at work, uh, online. May we radiate some of your love and hope and joy, even in the midst of this awful pandemic. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.